Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. So, you went on YouTube and learned how to fix a leaky sink. Now you're an expert. That's cool. But now your mind is a fury of possibility. What else could you learn? What if you could fix a sink? And while you learn to fix a sink, you learn to control your tongue. That's not easy. And then, by controlling your tongue, you could learn to control your road rage. Then, by controlling your road rage, you could have more patience with your neighbours who are throwing junk over the fence into your yard. And now, with more patience, what if you could learn how to stop raging at your roommate for leaving dishes in the sink? And, and then, with less rage, what if that girl who said, nope, was now like, maybe? That would be really cool. Then, what if you learned to stop drowning your problems in Amazon purchases and started living on a budget? And what if, with less stress, better relationships, more patience, and a control on your tongue, you begin to see that God is actually real? Or you could just learn to fix a sink. This is a letter about your life from a man named James. It's the whole truth from the half-brother of Jesus. This is your masterclass. Well, hey, let's celebrate being together today, can we? Yeah. All right, I know it's going to get warm in here, so uh, I'll do my best to get us out of here on time. But let's welcome everybody online, too. We love you. We're thankful that you're with us, online crowd. Man, we got some golf clappers in the room. You guys doing okay? You all right? You been up late? I know you're trying to soak up a lot of Alaska. It's sunny. It's beautiful right now. Uh, but we are just glad that you're here. If you're brand new, uh, we're, we're excited that you're here with us this morning. And we are starting a brand new series called Masterclass. And lots of good stuff happening. There's dirt moving out front of our building. We're excited about that. Uh, they are digging down on the front of our building, doing some structural support to make sure this place uh, is going to hold up for many, many years to come. And then building a patio of usable space on the front of our building that's going to have some outside heaters and gas fire pits and kind of the whole vision is that as, as we start to grow back into being in this building, which I think we've almost run out of room in this room here uh, during this service, uh, we, we have to open these doors and then we don't have a lobby. So when winter comes and it's 20 below, people show up and then when they get outside, it's just like get to the car, which I don't blame you if you just want to get to the car and not get frostbite. But the goal is to help people take their next steps with Jesus. That is our, our, our goal as a church family is that we would help people move forward and part of that uh, vision is helping people stick around for just a couple minutes after church and getting plugged into a group or uh, finding crash course or whatever it is that may be uh, their next step. And so we're really excited about having that um, here as soon as we can get that done. But thanks for coming in the back of the building. I know it's a little different. There's not much parking out there, but uh, you guys are resilient. I believe in you. Well done. You made it. So uh, a masterclass. What is a masterclass? These are really popular right now. You'll find somebody who is skilled at something, uh, maybe a master at uh, maybe playing an instrument or a chef 
or whatever it may be. And they're going to they're gonna download all that they've learned in a short period of time to you and, and just kind of help you learn what they understand and know how to do. And so that's the idea of master classes. They're really popular right now, especially during COVID-19. A lot of people were taking master classes, signing up for these video programs and trying to learn a new skill or a new hobby. It might be parent, how to parent better, how to decorate, uh, how to cook, how to paint, whatever it may be. That is what a master class is all about. And through the rest of this summer, we're going to be in the book of James. And, and James is really a book of the Bible that is like a master class for life. It's going to teach us how to master life, what it looks like to practically live this life well. And this is, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's full of really practical insight. And it's going to teach us something really specific. The key, I think, through the entire book, there's going to be a theme that he keeps coming back to. And it's this idea that as we choose to follow Jesus, it's, a, it's an all-of-life experience. That, that we don't choose to follow Jesus on Sunday and then live different on, on Monday. We actually live according to our faith in Jesus every second of our lives. And that that authentic, real faith will transform us and cause us to live differently. And James is going to, he's going to push on this. And it's going to challenge us. I would guess that at some point through this series, like you're going to feel a little offended, hopefully uh, by, by James himself. And uh, he's going to speak to you, and he's going to challenge maybe some of this consumer Christianity that we uh, find ourselves in. I think this is really popular, um, especially in America, to say, hey, I want to identify as a Christian, but I don't want to live any different. And he's really going to challenge this because, honestly, when we do that, it does damage to our soul. Uh, you're actually better off to say, I'm, I'm not a Christian, than you are to say you are a follower of Jesus or you are a Christian and then live no different in, in your daily life. That it actually, it's, it's, it hardens your heart. It's not good for us. And, and, and I don't know where you're at today, but I actually hope that no matter where you're at, you're able to identify that you're kind of your space spiritually here today. That you're able to be honest with yourself and that through the work of the Spirit that you would kind of understand how to take a next step. If you don't know who James is, James was uh, the half-brother of Jesus. He was Jesus' little brother. So just real quick, wait, raise of hands in the room. Are there any little brothers or little sisters in the room? Okay, so yeah, many of you are little, little brothers, little sisters. And, and so James is watching his big brother grow up, which can you imagine having a big brother that is Jesus, Right? I mean, you constantly feel like you're in a shadow as a, as a younger sibling anyway. Some of you went to high school after your uh, brother or sister went to high school in that same school, and they were like the track star, or all the teachers loved them, and then you show up, and you're like, great. All this expectation, right? I just feel like a loser everywhere I went. Imagine if your brother was Jesus, right? So Jesus goes before you, then you got to go to high school where Jesus went to high school, right? So, so this is James, and as, as James grows up with Jesus, he starts to realize he's a little different, right? My big brother is, he's starting to do these miraculous things as he gets older, right? And he begins his ministry and turns water into wine and is feeding all of these people. And, and as, as James and, and Jesus' family starts to see all of this happen, they start to think, Jesus has lost his mind. Like, he's just kind of crazy. We don't know how he's doing these things, these crazy party tricks, but he's doing it, and there's this following. And so you even see James and his family doing kind of an intervention for Jesus at some point where they try to protect him from himself, and they're like, Jesus, you're going to get yourself killed. So let's just get you some mental health uh, help somewhere. Let's get you away from the crowds and protect you from yourself. 
So this is James. James James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Some of you showed up at church today, and and you are where James was. You're like, I'm not sure what I think about this stuff. I'm interested. I want to learn, but I'm not convinced yet. And then something happens. Something dramatically shifts in the life of James, and he goes from doubter to martyr. James ends up giving his life, being martyred, killed for his faith in Jesus. And the thing that made all the difference, there's one thing, that made all the difference in the life of James, and it was just this. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It's what we celebrate every Easter. That, that was the tipping point in the, in the, where James was like, all this other, other crazy stuff I could just kind of write off, but this whole being crucified on a cross and then seeing you in person after that, because we read in the text in, in, in Acts that Jesus actually went and saw James, that idea of like seeing the resurrected Jesus, he's like, I don't know how to explain that away. I don't, ha- I don't know how to act like that didn't just happen. That's crazy. And so James shifts, and now he is a formidable force for the kingdom of God in Jerusalem. People are following him. At this point, it's, it's just a small gathering of, of believers, probably about 120 Christians that are part of this early movement of the church. And this letter, James, was probably the first book of the Bible, of the New Testament that was written. The first book of the New Testament that was actually Written. And again, he keeps t- coming back to this idea that, like, real faith turns into real works. That there is no compartmentalization of Jesus. Jesus actually gets into every part of your, all the nooks and crannies of your life. He will leave no rock unturned when it comes to your life. So this is what it means to actually follow Jesus. So if you're exploring your faith or you're not sure what you think about Christ or Christianity, this series is going to be amazing for you. Because we're going to get extremely practical uh, about what it means to be a Christian. And so uh, the first thing I want you to do is on your seat was a little uh, booklet. Would you pull this out? You might be sitting on it. I don't know. Um, if you're online, this is going to be available digitally as well. But I want to give you some ways to engage with this series. Since this is taking us through the whole summer, um, we want to give you a few ways to jump in. So uh, the first level of engagement, and this is all in your booklet, by the way. I'm not going to go through every bit of it. But it's just to read through the text. So I hear this all the time. People are like, I don't read my Bible because I don't know where to begin. Good news, now you do. For the whole summer, right? Open to the book of James and just start reading through the text. And I want to encourage you, read the verses before you come to church that week. It's all written out there. It's all in order. It's just a few verses. And just maybe you even would wake up every day and read those verses again. And just let them kind of do some work on your soul. And then when you come to church on Sunday, you're already ready with questions and challenges in the text. The second level is this, to subscribe to our daily devotion. If, if you don't already do this, you got to get on our text devotions. We have a whole team of people, including my, myself, my wife Amanda, uh, many who are recording video devos, and they're getting sent out every single morning to you. I think we've got 800 or 900 people who are already on this text. And so um, I would encourage you to just text Devo to our church phone number right now. And get on that. Also, if there's any changes or updates or things like, hey, don't come in the front of the building because there's a massive hole and you're just going to get lost in it, uh, we're going to text that to you as well. So it's a way to stay up to date. But uh, it's mostly just devos. Level three is just make time to read through the devos. We've got some incredible writers at ACF Church who are writing out devotions for you to, uh, to get a, a deeper understanding of this text in the book of James. The fourth level here is uh, to take the challenge and go do something about it. So the theme of James is real faith turns into real works. So 
Um, what if you were to take whatever it is that we talk about every single week and you were to do one thing with it? Just go and take a next step. And then level five is memorize the whole book of James. I'm throwing down the gauntlet, okay? Memorize the entire, I've already got some, some friends who have said, I'm doing it. I'm starting just a verse at a time. I'm going to memorize the entire book. And if you, if you do this, we want to actually hear from you. Let us know that you've done it because we want to get some footage of you speaking out and reciting the book of James. This is it's super powerful. It's not a long book. There's a lot of content. And, and I'll tell you, one of my favorite sermons that I ever heard in my entire life was a pastor who got on stage and he just started talking and about halfway through, I'm like, that's the book of James. I had no idea. He was just talking and he was, he was reciting it from memory and then he just got off stage. So I'm not there yet. I'll be real with you. I haven't memorized it all yet, but man, that's the challenge. So I uh, would encourage you to, to lean in. Um, I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna get into this text here today. Jesus, thank you so much for ACF Church. God, thank you for what you're doing in our community. Thank you for everything you've done in our lives that has brought us to this moment right here and right now. We trust that you are present here. God, that you're in this room, Father, and that you want, to, want us to leave here different than the way that we showed up. God, we know that doesn't happen naturally, that everything in us wants to resist the deep work that you want to do in our soul. We know that it's, it's sometimes painful to let you take over. But Father, I just pray that you would increase in our hearts, in the hearts of ACF Church, God, that we would surrender more of ourselves to you. God, that we would know in a deep and profound way here today that your way is just always better. I pray that would be visible in our lives to our friends, to our family members that don't know you, that they would see that we live different because we believe different. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. So, I've entitled today's message, What Doesn't Kill You?, and uh, the kind of the, the end of that phrase, typically, what doesn't kill you is makes you stronger. I don't know if I believe that, honestly, right? We say that a lot, but uh, I don't know. What doesn't kill you can leave you crippled, right? We, we, we don't know that. Sometimes what doesn't kill you messes you up pretty bad. It doesn't always make you stronger, but it can because you've seen people who have gone through something difficult and it has made them stronger. But if you look at our society, what you'll see is that we don't believe what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We actually live in a society that is obsessed with safety, obsessed with safety. So if you know me, you know I went to school to be a diesel mechanic, and that's just something I enjoy doing as a hobby at this point. And uh, every time I would walk into a diesel repair shop, I would see a sign like this. Have you seen the sign like this before? If you're in any kind of a trade job, then you know you've seen this everywhere. It's plastered all over the place. Safety first, Right? Everything is subject to this rule, safety first, right? A safe shop is an efficient shop, right? If you've got a broken leg or an eye that gets gouged out by a piece of metal, we can't make money on you. So be safe, right? Take care of yourself. We are obsessed with safety for ourselves, for our children, right? Many of us are obsessed with just don't let them get hurt. You know, we think that if our children don't get hurt, maybe they're going to grow up and be as healthy as they can possibly be, which... Again, is not always the case, but it's how we act. It's how we think. I remember uh, working on the farm with my grandfather growing up, and uh, I'd, I'd get a tractor ready for the day. I'd try to hook the mower up to the back of the tractor, and as I'm hooking up the PTO shaft, I would see this sign. It's etched in my brain. I don't know what kind of yoga you got to do to do that move, but it's a bad day for the stick man, you know? I mean, that image 
It, it works though, doesn't it? Because you're like, okay, this is dangerous. Be careful about the PTO shaft because it could get really bad. And so then I'm like, I'm looking at these images this week and I end up on a deep dive in Google images, which I don't recommend that. Um, but I started looking up moments where uh, people had lacked some safety. And so I love this one. This was good. I like this guy. <laughs> which you're going to notice one thing. All of the people in these following images are men. So I'm just going to say that. <laughs> There's not a woman in here. So, ladies, you're keeping us alive. I love this one. That's, that's ingenuity at its best, clipping the hedges. Let's see the next one. Yes, I like that. If you don't see it, I'll give you a second. Flammable gas, cigarette hanging out of the mouth there. Come on, somebody's dad, you used to see him filling up the car with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, right? Some of you remember that. The last one's my favorite. I like this. So good. Now, Mason and I were arguing. He thinks this was staged. I think it's real because I have been trying to do trim at 2 a.m. and done some stupid stuff just to get done. So I just think, I think stuff like this happens. But, so certainly, like, safety can be a good thing, right? We would agree that safety can be a good thing, but also at the same time, um, a great story typically involves something unsafe, right? Typically, the best stories aren't like, oh, yeah, we were super safe this weekend. That's lame, right? In fact, I was just talking to a friend over here who just summoned Denali, really unsafe, right? But awesome story. Um, I have a friend uh, who they have six children and they're thinking of adopting a seventh. That's very unsafe, (laughs) if you ask me. I just, I was just thinking about my life and I imagine like at some point I'll be buried in the ground in Alaska and you'll go come see my, my tombstone and how lame would it be if it said, here lies Brian Cook, he was super safe right? You're like, oh, that's, that stinks. That's a, that's a terrible life uh, to have lived. It's just a, a safe life. I think we live naturally to avoid pain. We want to avoid trials at all costs, but what James is going to teach us is that God actually wants to use your trials to transform you. He wants to change you through them. So let's get to James 1, verse 1. If you have a Bible, you can open it up or open up the ACF Church app, You can find it in the app store, and all the text will be there as well. He says this, James, a servant of God. So I love how he starts off. He is beginning his master class with simply his name. Now, interestingly enough, James does not give us any of his credentials. He doesn't say, oh, do you know who I am? I'm the little brother of Jesus, so you got to listen to me. Or, hey, I'm that really well-known guy in Jerusalem that's leading this movement in the church. Like, like, I got all kinds of credentials. He doesn't say who he is except for he is a servant of God. And as James begins to teach, what he wants to show us is this, that James isn't the instructor. God is. Just like as you're here this morning, you might have showed up and been like, oh, what's this master class series? Are we going to come learn from Brian, the master? God, No. No. You're going to learn from God, right? God is the master. God is the one that we're learning from. Ultimately, the only reason you should have to, to, to sit here and listen to the words that I'm about to say are because I keep coming back to the word of God. And I realize that, and I want you to acknowledge that, and I acknowledge that in and of myself, whether we know each other or not, you have no real reason to listen to me spout off words about how you're supposed to live your life. I don't have that authority, but God does. And so James starts with that. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a servant. He's a slave to Jesus. And he is just there bringing the message, right? And so that's, that's what I know my job is. I am not the instructor. God is the instructor. 
I am ultimately not even the teacher. I'm more of an interpreter of what the teacher said. And so James is even saying the same thing. I'm just following what it means to follow my big brother. And I'm going to show you what it means to live this life in an authentic and real way. He says this, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. So what's going on in the early church at this point is they are scattered across the countryside. And they're scattered because they are being persecuted for their faith. And the 12 tribes refers to the Jewish people who've chosen to follow Jesus and yet experience depression. And now, I've read the book of James many times before, and most of the time when I have thought about the trials that James is going to speak about in a moment, I've thought about things that have just happened to me or just happened to them. Sort of the things that you can't control, like, oh, I got a bad medical diagnosis or went through something difficult at work or, you know, had an issue or something happened to in a relationship and I didn't cause it, it just happened and now something's dealing with me and now that's a trial and certainly that can be the case. But for these early believers, these young believers, this young church that was just forming, the trials they were experiencing and the ones Paul or, or James is going to speak to are, are these trials that they actually chose to walk into willingly. Like they had a decision to make. When they chose to follow Jesus, it meant that they were going to give up a lot. Like they probably lost their job. Many of them, uh, their families disowned them for following Jesus. Like they were giving up a lot. And they knew when I choose to follow Jesus, everything changes. I am entering into a new family. A family that that is even connected in a deeper way than my blood family. There's a commitment level that is, I think it's greater than we can even get our brains wrapped around in the church, uh, especially in the church in America, because we are so consumer-driven. It's the exact opposite of of the early church, because they couldn't afford to be consumer-driven. They were there to give up themselves, and ultimately many of them gave their lives for the movement of the church. So as James leans in and speaks this hard word, they were listening, right? Like if I get up here and I say something you don't like, you, you can just walk out, and you're like, I don't like it. I'm going to go find a church that says stuff I do like, right? I don't like what you said. I'm going to go find a different church, right? And we tend to, I think, do this, and it actually does damage to us. We show up with all these expectations of what this gathering's like. You know, you want it to be the perfect temperature, and it's way too hot in here today, right? We do not have climate-controlled seating. You're out of luck, right? You might show up, and you're just like, I just want my kids to, you know, be showing up on a little water slide, and I want to walk upstairs, and I want to go to the, I want the sermon to be 20 minutes. I've already done 20 minutes. You're out of luck there. Um, you're at the wrong church if you want a 20-minute sermon. Uh, you know, you, you want to leave here and, and just have nobody, nobody mess with you, right? Like, I, I go to church, I did my time, and then I, I want to be left alone the rest of the week. And if you show up with these kind of consumer uh, expectations of the church, then it's going to at some point reveal your heart. And again, I'm speaking to believers. If you're not a Christian and you're here and it's hot, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. We're going to try to make it a little bit cooler here over the next few weeks. Or if you don't get an expectation met and you're not a Christian, I understand that. But as a believer in Jesus, we show up to the church and we show up wanting to give, wanting to serve, wanting to be a part of a church family. How can I contribute to it? So he's saying, hey, you guys are scattered you're hurting, you're going through something really difficult, and then he's going to transition in the text, and he's going to talk to them about what's most pertinent on their minds right then. And he says this, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
So James doesn't waste any time, and he gets right into their business. And he says, you guys are dealing with really difficult stuff right now. He basically says, hey, look, I know that your life sucks, and it's going to start to suck more. And when it does, I want you to give God glory, and I want you to feel joy. I want you to experience joy in your trials. Now, I mean, this might be the first time you've heard this or read this. And, and I, if you're a human being, when you read this, you go, that is insane, James. Why would you ever tell someone to take joy in their trials? Now, a couple things about this word trials. If you have a pen and a paper Bible, some of you do, I want, as you read through the book of James, as you read the word trial and the word temptation, I want you to circle both of those words, trials, temptation. Because if you look at the original text and the original language, those were the exact same word. Trials and temptations were the exact same thing. So he's saying, hey, as you meet trials, take joy in those things. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. How could this even be possible? How could it be possible? Uh, One of my favorite pastors and teachers that I always listen to is a guy named Tim Keller. He's uh, in New York City, has done ministry there to college students for many, many years. And uh, he's actually gotten a recent um, cancer diagnosis. So you should pray for uh, Pastor Tim Keller. But uh, he was being interviewed on a podcast I was listening to. And the guy was saying, man, how do you feel about this? Like, like you've been serving God faithfully your whole life. And, and what do you think about, about this idea that you got cancer? Like, like, why would God do that to you? Or why would that happen to you as a man who's been just so faithful to God? And, and I don't know if I'll ever forget what he said. He said, I believe that there is some sort of holiness that is still left to be worked out in my soul, and it can only happen through pain and trials. That's just, do you know anybody that lives that way? I don't know, apart from an understanding of, of who God is, and apart from this different kingdom perspective, I don't know how you could ever see things that way. And I know for some of you, this is all theory, and you showed up here, and you're like, Brian, like, I'm going to go kayaking this afternoon. My life is really good. My family's doing well. Like, you're kind of bringing me down here. It's sunny outside, Brian. I'm happy. But for some of you, this is right in your business. You showed up here heavy, and your, your life is, is really hard right now. And you've got something that when I said trial, it hits you right in the face. You said, this is my trial. This is my test. This is what's going on in my life. And it's really, really difficult. Now, this idea of trials and temptations, how can they be connected? Why are those the same word? And I think here's why. Because pain never comes without temptation, and every temptation is a test. There's always a temptation in pain, right? When you experience pain, you get to choose what you believe in. Like, what you value most, who you are as a person, is revealed when you experience pain. Or as my pastor growing up used to say, life is like, or you are like, a roll of toothpaste. When the pressure's on, what's inside comes out, right? And that's how it is with all of us, is that who we are as people comes out when we are experiencing pain, and every temptation that we experience to to walk towards, you know, an unhealthy coping habit or an unhealthy behavior or mindset is a test, It's testing who we are. It's testing our faith. Now, I hate tests. Growing up in school, I remember going to school, like if it was a pop quiz day, I was freaking out. And it's not so much the test that I hated. What I hated was the grade, right? 
The the test wasn't the problem. It was the grade that came after. It was the fear that I didn't know the information well enough. And I think for a lot of us, we hate tests. We hate trials because we're afraid of what it's going to reveal. We're afraid that maybe our faith isn't what we've always thought it was. Consider it pure joy. I think the only way pain, trials, testing could ever be good is that if we believe with our whole heart that the good would be greater than the bad that would come from the trial. If we believe with our whole heart that God was going to do something that would be ultimately worth it through this trial, through this temptation, and through this test. And this is so important for us to understand. Once again, transformation comes through trials. I think in the church, we think we can kind of go around the trials straight to transformation. Maybe if I just pray the right way and, you know, read more Bible verses and join enough Bible studies, I can be transformed. And, and you will gain knowledge, but you will not be transformed through simply reading and understanding. God will transform you through difficulty, through testing, through trials. And that is what ultimately is going to change you, is pressure and pain. I, I was talking with a mom a couple of weeks ago after church, and, and, and we've been praying for her son who's been struggling and making some poor decisions and and she said, you know, I used to be praying that God would just protect him from, from getting in trouble. Like, some of you parents get this, where you've been praying for your kid, and you're like, God, just help them not to hurt themselves too bad. Like, I know that they have to go through some hard things, but help them not to deal with too much. Like, God, help them to learn from my mistakes. I, I want them not to feel the pain that I felt. And she said, my, my prayers have recently started to shift where I've just been praying that he would go to prison. And she said, I, I really feel like that's, that's maybe what God wants for him. And my, my prayer, honestly, is that, that, that he would go to, to prison and then maybe in the silence of prison, he might find God. And I don't know if you know this, but many men and women find God in prison. I mean, it is a season where, I mean, you have some time to think and reflect. And it's a trial and it's a test. And in that moment, once again, they don't have to. A lot of people get bitter and angry in prison. But a lot of people find God in prison. And so I don't know for you, what pain have you been avoiding or hoping other people might not go through? And yet God is like, no, I want to take you through the trial and I want to teach you some things about yourself. Romans 5 kind of speaks to this. It says, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Can you imagine? This sounds insane. I mean, just let this sink in. If you've read this before, don't just skip over this. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. Oh, come on. That is so good. We, we rejoice in our sufferings, but he tells you why, right? We don't just love pain, you know? We don't just love to, to hurt. We rejoice in suffering because we know that suffering produces endurance, or steadfastness, or other words that are used for this. And everybody knows that if you've ever won a race, the, the reason you won a race was because you had some endurance. And any good runner knows that at the beginning of the race, there's always that idiot that runs off way too fast. And you're just laughing. Because you're like, he or she's going to be puking in the ditch in a mile. And I'm going to be running by, hey, you know, like, your pace was terrible. You have to have a pace and have endurance, and you have to, have to work on that endurance. So your suffering, the pain, is going to produce an endurance, and then that endurance is going to produce character. It's going to produce character. See, once again, the transformation that you're looking for comes through the trial. 
the character that you hope to have, like, I want to be a good dad. I hope that if you're dad in the room, you're like, I want to be a good dad. I, I want to do it well. If you're, if you're a mom, I hope you want to be a good mom. If you're a friend, I hope you're like, I want to be a really good friend. If you want to be a better person, which a lot of people come to church because they want to be better people, you don't get there by simply trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You don't get there by just trying to change your life on your own. No, you surrender yourself to Jesus, and then through that surrender, Jesus is like, I want to walk you down a road. And it's going to hurt sometimes. But in the hurt, in the trial, it's going to produce endurance. And that endurance is going to give you the character that you've always wanted. But it's going to hurt to get there. There's a process. There's a journey that you go on. James says, testing of your faith produces steadfastness, endurance, but only through the testing. What are you running from? What test are you avoiding? Or what test are you failing and you know it? Like God keeps bringing it up. He keeps speaking to you through, uh, through the word or through prayer or through somebody else. And, and you just keep saying, no, I don't want to pass it. You are just failing the test over and over again, intentionally or unintentionally. So if, if, if this testing can produce this endurance in character, then what would it look like if you were tested, but you didn't have real faith? What if your faith wasn't authentic? What would then the testing produce? That was a question I was asking. What would be produced in your life? I, th I think I've experienced this and seen this before. A lack of, of faith in the testing can produce bitterness, right? You've been there before where you're like, yeah, uh, I experienced testing and <laughs> endurance and uh, character were not produced. In fact, I just got bitter and angry. Uh, cynicism, the testing of your faith, or of, your, of your faith without an authentic faith produces cynicism, produces complaining, disillusionment, discouragement. And maybe this, lack, this last one I think is huge, lack of mission. If you found that your life is really self-centered right now, like you don't care for other people well, you don't think outside of your own life through the test, it's probably, once again, it's a sign that our faith is not authentic. When we see the purpose of the trial, we begin to fixate less on the pain and more on the potential. More on the reality that God wants to do something beautiful in our lives. And anyone who's come through a challenging season has understood this and, and looked back on this and seen how God has been faithful and that you have actually grown through these difficult things. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, I was reading some of his stuff this week about the trials he went through. And I love what he said. He said it this way. He says, I have looked back at times of trial with a kind of longing, not to have them return, but to feel the strength of God as I felt it then, to feel the power of faith as I have felt it then, to hang upon God's powerful arm as I hung upon it then, and to see God at work as I saw him then. Can you imagine longing for a season of trial? If you're like me, when I think of seasons of trial and turmoil, I think good riddance. I never want to go back there. God, can I just be comfortable? Can I just be in this painless season? I just want to, I want to live without struggle, anxiety, and pain. And here's the deal. I want to be real with you. If you're calling yourself a Christian, if you believe that you're a follower of Jesus, I don't care if you were, went to camp and were baptized when you're 10, or you've been serving on a serve team, or you're, whatever, or you're a pastor, it doesn't matter what your title is. If that is what you would call yourself, 
And yet, as you, as you look in your soul, there is no tension. There's no pressure. There's no struggle. You have to, at some point, ask yourself, am I actually following Jesus? Because to follow Jesus, and, and coming back to where we began on safety, to follow Jesus is the least safe thing you can ever do. It is not safe to follow Jesus. In fact, to follow Jesus, for, again, for those early believers, was to give up most of, of your safety. And, and for many, was to give up their lives. For us, we're like, I want to follow Jesus so that my life can get better. And if your life gets better because of Jesus, that is a byproduct and a gift from God. And it does sometimes get better. But it happens through struggle. The only way it gets better is because you have to struggle through the difficulty of what God is saying. You struggle through the difference between what you want and what God wants. It's a struggle. There's a trial. And the, the reason it gets better is because you have you've passed some tests, right? God never promises, hey, follow me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix all your problems. I'm just going to make them all go away. What he does promise is to walk with you through them. I will be faithful to you, he says. I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll walk with you through the problems. You will not be alone in the suffering. Life is really hard. So where's your faith at? Do you have a real faith? Is it authentic? Romans 5, 4 says, in endurance, some of you have endurance, produces character. Now, one thing I love about many of you is that uh, some of you have been around your faith a long time. You've been following Jesus many, of you, many years, and, and you inspire me because you have tons of endurance. Like things that freak me out, you're like, I've been there before. I've walked through it before. I've seen it. I've seen God be faithful. He'll do it again. And I love that. That's how endurance comes, is through a lifelong journey of just trusting God and walking through the trial, not avoiding it. And he says, when you do this, it's going to produce character. Now, this last week, uh, I, was, I was driving my car into town. I was doing some errands. And if you know me well, you know that sometimes um, my head's in two different places. Sometimes I'm like, I'm like doing one thing with my body, and yet my mind is somewhere else. And I'm just kind of thinking about a lot all the time. And so this is one of those days where I'm just sort of in autopilot driving around, but my mind was in some other thing. I just pulled into the store, got what I needed, jumped back in the car, backed up, and ran right into a light pole. Dented in the back of my Jeep Liberty. Awesome. And I'm a car guy. I hate that stuff, right? I, some of you are like, I don't care. Add, more, add another dent to my car. I, it drives me nuts. I don't want dents in my car. One of the things that, <laughs> when, when somebody dents their vehicle or does something like that, what do we always tell them? We say, hey, that dent gives it character. Why do we say that, by the way? It's so dumb. Let's stop saying that anyway. <laughs> but we just naturally say that, right? Like, oh, it's been reshaped. It's got character. But one of the things I know is that uh, being somebody that's done some fabrication and worked with metal is that it takes some pressure to shape metal. Oftentimes what you'll do is you'll take a torch and you'll heat it up. And when the metal is really hot and red and molten, you can actually mold it really easy. And that's the point that now you can get it to, to do the things that it was intended to do. It went from a flat piece of metal to now a body panel or a piece on a vehicle. Now it works. It, it functions. It does what it's made to do. The same is true of you is that through the, the tension and the pressure and, and, and the fire sometimes of life, you get reformed and reshaped. And at that point, you become functional for the kingdom of God. At that point, you become the person with character that you've always wanted to be. 
Continuing for James 1, 4, he says, and let steadfastness have, it, have its full effect. I love that text. Let that perseverance and endurance have its full effect in your life, right? Like, let it take root in your soul. I mean, sometimes, I think what he means is sometimes you just have to sit in the suffering and let God love you. You just have to sit there and say, God, I, I want to I just be in your presence and, and I know that maybe I can't get out of this thing right now, but I just want to let it take its full effect in my life. Like, what if you stopped running from the trial and you simply let God meet you in it this week? You just said, hey, God, transform me, change me, do something in my life. He says, that you may be perfect, right? Like, and what he's speaking about is this journey of sanctification, which is the, the idea of being made holy. Like, we are all on a journey of being made holy by God. None of you are perfect apart from the finished work of Jesus. And so when we come to a, an understanding of Christ, he sanctifies us, and he, and he changes us, and he sees us as holy, and yet we spend the rest of our lives being made holy. So there's this, this dichotomy there. Uh, the, the term, the theological term is positional and progressive sanctification. So you are positionally called holy. When you say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. God says, I impute my righteousness upon you. You are holy and pure and, and perfect because of the blood of Christ. And yet I'm going to spend the rest of your life trying to make you holy. And, and, and the rest of your life you, for you to learn that you have to be fully dependent on me to, to change in any way. And then no good thing comes from your life based on your strength, but by the power of the Spirit in you. And so this is the journey that all of us are on, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you see the process there? It's a process through the pain, through the sorrow, of letting God meet you in the suffering and love you right there. And so for the next few weeks, actually throughout the summer, we're just going to keep coming back to one really key question, and it's this, what does real faith actually look like? How do we know if our faith is real? How do, we, how do we know if God is actually doing something in our lives? And I just, my prayer at ACF is that you guys would be totally honest, like brutally honest with yourself. Because I promise you that there are people in this room here today who think you're okay and you're not okay. You're like, no, I'm good, man. I, I did the thing. I, I'm gonna memorize James. No, God is, God, God is wanting to speak to you. He wants to be honest with you. He wants to challenge you to a real, authentic faith. And once again, you are safer to say, I'm not a follower of Jesus because my life does not show that faith, does not reveal that faith, than you are to say, I'm a follower of Jesus and live in hypocrisy. This is just, it, it, he is really gonna draw a line throughout the rest of the book of James. So I wanna come to two things to close, two interactions that Jesus has with two different men where their faith is revealed. And the first interaction is uh, with this man Zacchaeus, who many of you have read of him before. He's, he's a tax collector. And Zacchaeus is a crooked man. He's a thief. He's stolen from people. He's ripped them off for much of his life. And he has this authentic encounter with the real Jesus. And it transforms him. It, something shifts in his heart, and he is a different man. And it says this in Luke 19, 8. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if, I've, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So apparently real faith looks like that. So once again, what happened? 
He's transformed, and that transformation led to him trying to make it right. It resulted in him having a completely different operating system and value system. And he was like, what I used to value was just money, 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 money. It's what I obsessed about. I stole from these people. Now I just want to give it back and I want to bless those that I've stolen from. Jesus says, hey, faith has come to this house. This is real faith. Matthew 19, Jesus has a different encounter with a young rich man. And uh, this man is uber religious He's at the temple every week. He, he's memorizing the text. He's saying all the prayers. I mean, he has got the look, right? He has got the ACF church sticker on the back window. Like, he looks like he's a believer. And he comes to Jesus and he goes, Hey, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? He's all cocky about it, right? Because he's expecting the answer to be like, You're good, bro. You've done it all. I mean, look at you. You're my special little rich man. And he goes forward and says, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. So apparently real faith does not look like that. What's the difference? The first man passed the test. It was a trial, right? The first man had an authentic relationship that began with Jesus that resulted in generosity. Was it the generosity that saved him? No. Was it the giving the money of back and then trying to pay them more that saved him? No. It's what he couldn't help but do because God had transformed his heart. Then there's this man and Jesus says, hey, rich religious guy, you think your life's all together. Why don't you sell everything and give it to the poor and then follow me and you'll be part of my kingdom. And what's he do? He walks away bummed out because Jesus knew what he just wouldn't give him, right? And I want to tell you this today. Jesus knows the thing you just won't give him. He knows the test that you're not passing. It may not be money. It may be something completely different. But for this man, that's what it was. So what Jesus was not saying, don't miss this. What Jesus was not saying was, if you give a lot of money, then you can enter the kingdom of heaven. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is a transformed heart results in a generous life. Does that make sense? And so he's saying, hey, let's just see. And the man did not pass the test. And so I want to ask you today, be honest, which test are you not passing? Where is God speaking to you? He's like, hey, this is your trial. This is your temptation. This is your test. You have a decision to make in authentic faith will lead you to pass the test. You see, real faith is moving on through trials toward maturity. Through the trials, into maturity. And I'll tell you, the most mature people in our church aren't always the ones that have been around the longest. The most mature people in our church are not always the ones that can spout off the most of the book of James or, you know, know the most theology. The most mature people are the people who have let God transform their hearts in such a way that they can't help but love others the way that God loved them first. That is maturity. So what would it look like to take a next step? I'd encourage you to just pull out your little action card here if you want. Um, again, this is just something that we're doing as a church family for a season. And it's a way for us to do something with what we talk about here. Because once again, if you don't do anything with what you've heard today, you uh, wasted your time. So uh, maybe for you, you just need to begin a real relationship with Jesus. Just check that box. 
we want to be praying for you and encouraging you. Just, we're just going to send a text to you this week. That's all we're going to do. Just to say, hey, we're praying for you this week. We'd love to be able to celebrate that you are taking a step. Sometimes maybe just completely scared, but you're taking a step toward Jesus. Maybe you need to share your trial with someone this week. One thing you need to know about ACF Church, listen to this, is that nobody gets to suffer alone. No matter how big our church grows to be or how small our church is, nobody gets to suffer alone. Okay, so maybe you need to share your trial with somebody this week. Maybe you just need to send it in as a prayer request and we'd love to be praying for you. Maybe your next step is to pass a test that you're currently failing and I wrote down, I know what to do. Because maybe through this whole sermon, there's been this thing that you know what to do and you've just not done it. And so you know exactly what you need to do to pass the test today. So I'm just, I'm just calling you out, do it. Go and do that thing and see if God might show up in your life. See if God might provide in ways that you never thought he would provide. See if God might show himself to be more faithful than you ever thought he was. The last one is this. Write down the first name of a friend we can pray uh, would find Jesus and join you at church. So we are a church, if you don't know, like we're, we're not here for us. We exist for our city. So that's, that's who we are as a church family. And so I want you to just write down the name of one person that you know that doesn't know Jesus. If you don't, if you can't think of a name, I don't, just, time to get a hobby or something, okay? Like if you're a Christian here and you can't think of the name of somebody that you're praying would find Jesus, it's time to go buy a, buy a kayak or get out in four wheel or start a running group or do something so that you can interact with people. Like every camping trip or every outing this summer, listen, ACF Church should not be done with people who believe what you believe. You need to be around people who believe different things. And so uh, write down the first name. I, we're trying to gather hundreds of these names. So even if you don't typically fill this out, would you just write out a name, first name of that person that you're praying would find Jesus? And we're going to be praying for them uh, together for the next uh, weeks and months to come. And th- these are all just going to get dropped in the baskets by our uh, first, impression, first impressions by the doors there. So we'd love to just collect these at the end. Would you stand up? I want to pray for us as we close. Oh, God, thank you so much for this space that we get to gather in. God, thank you so much that you meet us here. God, that you're speaking to our hearts. And God, we each have a next step to take, and only you know what it is. But Father, I pray that you'd give us the courage that we don't have in and of ourselves to move forward. Father, we confess our weakness. We confess our sinfulness. God, we confess that we desire after things that do not align with your kingdom. And yet, God, you are so much better than those things. So God, I pray for us as a church family that we had just, we'd pass the test this week. All of these different tests that are in our hearts and in our minds, that we would pass them. And that we wouldn't do so in some way to earn our salvation, to earn your love, God, but we'd do so because you loved us first. God, our, our obedience does not make you love us more. God, we obey because you loved us first. So God, give us that ability to have a real faith that results in real works. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.